Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right. Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there. Enzo caught. Touchdown to Troy Lyons. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back. Grifka is in the building. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? How are you today? Oh, man, doing good. I'm just enjoying the summer sun before uh, training camp here in a few weeks. Yeah, man. I, I was telling people the other day, we are basically under a month until camps get rolling. I think I saw a promo the other day, NFL Network's doing their live from training camp. July 22, man. it's uh, That is crazy. That's only three, four weeks away. The people got to be jacked about that. So, Grifka, I'm jacked about this show, man. We got a couple things off the top, but then I was uh, fortunate enough, I uh, connected with Logan Lamarandier, man, of Lion Lowdown uh, this past weekend. We recorded an interview that we're going to roll for the people today. So, thought we'd just hit some quick news items and then throw to that. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Does that work for you? Get you off easy today. Yeah, that, that, that works. Grifka, your boy, big play slay all over the news. Just randomly shows up to some uh, dude's grad party. Uh, kid said he hung out for over three hours playing games, eating all their food. I mean, you, you've you got to have a take on this. This is your guy. I mean, you shook his hand in person. I mean, uh, you knew he's going to be great from day one. I mean, talk to me about your boy, Big Play. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, really, like, just how cool is that? I wonder if he, like, went to go grab something or somebody went to go ask him something and he just wagged the finger at him because that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> like, no. You know, instead of like, hey, wag your finger at me. Nobody wants to do that. I mean, you can't. It's got to be unprompted. But that would be uh, – that's always, like, some kid's dream, you know, like have, like, a, just a player like that or some celebrity show up to one of your parties. You always hear, like, <laughs> oh, so-and-so went to prom with so-and-so. I mean, that's kind of creepy. But um, anyways, um, I mean, it, it is it is grad party, so um, – I'm sure after hours, like every grad party I went to in high school, there seemed to be uh, an adult beverage hidden somewhere. So uh, I'm sure he left for that so he wouldn't get in trouble. But, uh, yeah, that, that's that's probably one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I thought it was good. I mean, here's my counterpoint, though, Grifka. If we had millions and millions of dollars and, and basically all the time in the world when we're in, we had an off season like the NFL, wouldn't, don't you think we'd have some time to do some cool crap too? Like just randomly do funny stuff or show up to charity events or do random things. Like I, I feel like life would be a lot easier with millions in the bank. 
Yeah, it seems like when I try that crap now, you know, I always get kicked out of weddings and like, crap parties. Like, who are you? It's just like, I saw a bunch of cars. I thought you guys wanted to hang out. <laughs> yeah, that that's not going to fly uh, with Griffka showing up. But, yeah, man, I thought this was cool. Uh, Slay's done this other stuff like this in the past, showing up to basketball games and whatnot. I mean, here's the news nugget out of it. Like, he told the guy, you know, he can have tickets to any Lions game this year and, you know, was talking about uh, giving his evaluation on Hawkinson and a few other players and whatnot so he's it still sounds like he's pretty plugged in to the team and you know if he's offering a family tickets to the game i'm pretty sure he's gonna be out there playing so um i i I took that away as maybe you know this is a little do about nothing you know just trying to get a few extra dollars in his pocket before the season gets rolling but uh he'll he'll be wearing that 23 and waving that finger when football's ready to roll man yeah it's good to hear so so grifka we we got that off the off the top now this this isn't going to make the cut for the show but frank ribble left us a voicemail a long voicemail and uh one one thing he did in that voicemail is he called you out he said he sent you some tape which again everybody that knows and listens to the show grifka doesn't watch tape everybody or, or he he's, he always blames me for going on youtube he he watches the games he sits and watches college football everybody but frank ribble wanted to know if you watch want to watch the tape that he sent you because he wanted to know one thing grifka and you want to know what it is what's that he wanted to know, did you finish your food? Did you finish your food? There you go, Frank. I did that for you, buddy. <laughs> well, yes, I did eat dinner today. So if that's what he's talking about, yes, yes, I did that. <laughs> no, Griffka. I think he's talking about the same film I sent you a long time ago. The first time I, I pulled up and dug into this guy named TJ Hawkinson because I needed to figure out if we were going to take him high and if, I, if he was good at all. <clears throat> and it's a film breakdown where TJ Hawkinson is just putting people in the ground, driving them 10 yards off the ball, putting them absolutely in the dirt. And the guy watching it just keeps yelling, finish your food. <laughs> it's incredible video. Everybody's got to go check it out. I'll have to put a link up or something on Twitter. Okay. I mean, that's, that's our TJ Hawkinson spot it is sponsored by TJ Hawkinson. And he proceeds to go to TJ Hawkinson. Time to move on. <laughs> Grifka, you didn't. Are you admitting on the podcast that you blew off Frank Ribble? You didn't watch the video. He's trying to. He's trying to educate you. He's trying to get you up to speed about this tight end that we drafted. That not only can he catch and run, but he can block like a monster. When last show you said, "Oh, he's he's an average run blocker." No, I did not watch the uh, T.J. Hawkinson highlight video. Okay, well, go pull pull it up, and while you're doing it, finish your food. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure I'll make sure I run down to Wendy's to get the five dollar grab sack or whatever it's called. Yeah, you need to. Oh man, great video, Frank. Uh, we appreciate the call. Couldn't fit you in on the show today, but I want to bring that up and give give Grifka some grief. The triple G, as I as I now am uh, phrasing it. So, Grifka, you you see any future moves coming up? I mean, it's been real quiet on the front. I mean, Big Mike Roberts was gone. I thought I saw they brought either a, another corner or a lineman or something to fill that spot. I don't have it up in front of me, but. I mean, are we going to make any big shaking moves, or is this our team heading into camp? It sounds like the only one they're really waiting on, from what I read on, was the uh, one you brought up, I think, last week. Was was it Demonte Pecco, the uh, defensive yeah. tackle that's been around for a while? It sounds like they're just waiting on him. It sounds like they, from what I've read, it sounds like they have an offer out to him, um, but I don't know if it's the dollar value that he's looking for. I, I don't know the whole thing, but it sounds like they're just kind of waiting on him, so... Either he wants to play or he wants to retire. I'm sure if they can't 
if, if he decides not to, they'll go find somebody else. But it's nobody bigger than Splashy or anything like that. Yeah, it's been real quiet. I mean, again, I could still see a move in camp, but I think leading up to, you might just see a, a smaller depth type move like that. But uh, something to keep our eye on. And uh, got two more quick things for jumping to the interview, Grifka. We had a question that we didn't get to in the mailbag. I told this guy I'd get him on and shout him out. So uh, let me hit you up with this. He says, Hi, this is Keith, a longtime Lions fan um, in Puerto Rico. I've enjoyed your podcast from here. I need to preface my question to you a bit first though the 1995 this is why i throw this to you griff because the 1995 Lions seemed poised to really go somewhere my hopes were highest for that squad every game before the collapse against the eagles the lions seemed uh to just get more and more awesome well that ended in philadelphia for sure the preseason 2019 lions offer a glimmer of a team that might be at least ooh, as good as that squad. Uh, can the 2019 Lions uh, tear across the league? Or, or am I drinking too much of that Honolulu blue flavored Super Bowl Kool-Aid? Huh. Well, I know that 95 team, I know the collapse in Philadelphia really didn't show, but that 95 team had a, they had a really good defense. And I mean, this, this defense has the possibility of being really good. Um, they, this Lions team definitely has a better quarterback than that 95 team. Gosh. But uh, the 95 team had a better running back. Um, but, yeah, this one is capable of that. I've I've read other things, even like some from some of my friends, you know, on, online, that they're, uh, they still don't have a whole lot of faith in this team. I mean, they obviously don't listen to us. But um, <laughs> this is one of – this has to be one of those things like we talk about it where it's – you know, to kind of con- to compare them to like the Bears of last year, where they just kind of get rolling, they get that confidence, and the- and they keep going. You know, they have a couple breaks go their way early. They beat a couple cuff- tough teams, and then you know they they get this feeling that they're unstoppable, that they're going to go out there and beat down anybody. And I'm sure everybody's going to be like, any player's going to tell, yeah, we can compete with anybody anytime. But you know, like we've talked about, there's a point in the season where you realize we're just not as good. We're just going to go. We're going to play, get it done. But if breaks go your way early, this team is definitely capable of, you know, you know, doing some damage this year. Grifka, again, Keith, we thank you for the – he actually texted this to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast listener line a while back, and I meant to get him on and just got lost in our mailbag. So thanks for reaching out. Thanks for the positive words about the show. Grifka, give Keith one of your – one of your grandiose 1995 Lions memories, either name some random players or, or talk about a game or a moment you remember in that season. Cause, cause that's your heyday. That's, that's before my time. The 95 Lions. Wow. The, the biggest thing was that was like Scott Mitchell's year. And I still hated him and people were like loving on this guy. <laughs> and I still hated him, but geez, they had, they just had a great wide receiver core. I mean, we talk about, like, this Lions wide receiver core is capable. But that had Herman Moore, you know, Johnny Morton, Brett Perriman. You know, they just – they were really good. I mean, Barry Sanders obviously on the team, and he was always a highlight reel unto itself. But, um, you know, Robert Porsche, you know, on the defensive line, he would – he was that guy you kind of loved to hate. He'd come up with, like, a big sack, but then he you know, in a cute situation, he'd have, like, an offsides penalty. So he was kind of like that guy. But uh, they were just – they were just a team that – you know, everybody kind of fell in love with because they really got rolling. But uh, 
Thanksgiving Day game would be the big one right there. I mean, Scott Mitchell had a big game, wide receivers core. I believe each one had over 100 yards, if I remember correctly. And if I remember correctly, I think they beat the Minnesota Vikings that game. There you go, Keith. It was a shot in the uh, way back machine for Grifka, uh, reliving some memories. Uh, again, appreciate the question. You know, I, I think it's unique. You kind of drawn parallels or already calling out this uh, 2019 team. We obviously talk them up here on the show, but uh, they still got a lot to prove. And like you say, we, we don't want to collapse like that happened after a good season there for the 95 Lions. Um, so, Grifka, one more quick thing to do before we jump into our interview. Uh, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks, man. Uh, dollars and cents. Uh, we kind of dove into this last year. We thought we'd bring it back again this year. Uh, what we want to do is starting next week, next uh, next Wednesday with our Wednesday night show, um, we're going to dive into this thing. So, me and Grifka thought we'd uh, tackle uh, one side of the ball on each side with each show. So, we're going to – we might grab, you know um, – corners and wide outs we might grab uh, tight ends and linebackers we might uh, we might take the quarterbacks and the safeties the kind of those those things that go with each other on each side of the ball we're going to talk about their salaries we're going to talk about their ages we're going to talk about where they fit on the roster we're going to break down future years see if they're worth keeping not just in 2019 but um, for the long haul what are the lines building around how does their cap look all that type of good stuff so Grifka this means you actually have to do some work man you're gonna have to pull up some stuff maybe crunch some numbers I mean can you handle this yeah I this is probably one of my favorite things we do <laughs> this is this is one of those things that you know I know you love it from the GM you know point of view but it really does actually like looking out what a player's salary does based on their age based on you know what they've done we can kind of project just like yes guy could be a cap casualty next year this year two years from now you know stuff like that it's just it's uh, I find this very very interesting yeah we're looking forward to it and like I say it'll probably uh, take us a few weeks there and then before you know it we'll be finishing that up and it'll be maybe a week or two before camp. We'll be able to lead up to that. And then uh, we're off and running after that. Grifka, man, training camp, Lions football, basically like two months away if you really cut it. So I can't believe it's that close. It seems like time's flying, but I'm super excited. So um, looking forward to that. And Grifka, this is one of my favorite parts. This is where I say goodbye to you, and I get to bring in uh, Logan for the interview, man. Uh, this is usually where I get about fed up with you. So it's good timing, huh? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so uh, everybody, like I said, me and Logan, we sat down for probably uh, 30, 40 minutes. We talked about the NFL draft. We talked about OTAs. We uh, we asked him if he was the GM, what would he do with Slay and Snacks? Uh, man, we just got into a bunch of other topics. We could, we could have talked for hours, but uh, always great to have him on and uh, really enjoyed the time. So Grifka, before I throw that to uh, – to Logan, uh, you got anything else for the people? Uh, nope. Now, I asked you that because we always do that. Oh, man, I almost broke the Grifka bell. Hold on. You got anything else for the people, Grifka? Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, I did that, too, because I can't, I can't let you make it out of an episode without a Grifka bell. You almost, you almost had a clean slate there, but I had to hit you there at the end. So uh, we'll go ahead and, and turn that over, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, check out our sponsors. Uh, catch us back here Friday morning where Grifka is going to be ranting and raving about all types of stuff. I'm sure we'll be arguing and having a bunch of fun. So come back for that. But for now, let's uh, throw it over to my interview with Logan of Lion Lowdown. Check it out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Detroit Kool-Aid, we're back, and I'm happy to bring back, man. Logan, let me try it, Logan. Lamoran Deer, man, of Lions Lowdown is back in the building. Logan, what's going on, buddy? You nailed it. I'm good. <laughs> I'm two, two for two, man. Love it. So I think we had you on like right before the draft. We kind of a uh, week or so before. It was awesome to have you on first time, and you kind of gave us your thoughts leading into the draft. And since it's been uh, – haven't talked to you since. I mean, how did you think the draft went down for the Lions? Uh, kind of talk me through some players and just some jo- overall thoughts you had on it. Yeah, so first off, you know, TJ Hawkinson, first round. It was a, It's a player I like. You know, I, I do question the position value. Um, not that you can ever really draft players. You know, you can't draft players because of a position they play. But I think when you when you take a player at the tight end position in the top ten, and again, it doesn't matter really what the Lions have done in the past. This is a new regime. But I know for a lot of fans, you have, you know, Eric Ebron and Pettigrew in the back of your mind. And um, putting that aside even, you know, it's it's really tough for a tight end to come into the league and make a big impact right away especially with a new offensive coordinator and Daryl Bubble. We don't really know exactly how Hawkinson's going to be used, but if you, you take a guy that high, you have to imagine that they have some big plans for him and they're going to utilize him uh, correctly and play to his strengths and make sure that's a true scheme fit. Um, you know, we ran into that issue a little bit with Eric Ebron that uh, for being a top 10 selection, he didn't probably see the field enough or wasn't game planned enough around. He's the, usually the fourth option in our offense. So I, I imagine Hawkinson, especially from what the limited amount that we've seen in OTAs, it looked like he was heavily involved uh, with the first team offense and they showed plenty of highlights of him catching touchdowns. So I think it's, you know, on the the receiving end, he should be definitely an upgrade. I mean, it's hard to go down from what we had last year at the position, but I think it's really going to be nice just to have two capable tight ends uh, on the field, including Jesse James now with free agency that you don't know what they're going to do. If they have two tight ends on the field, it could be a run and they could go smash mouth. But at the same time, uh, you can split Hawkinson out wide or maybe put him in the slot and he's still athletic enough uh, to create mismatches. And that's what it's all about. If the D goes heavy and, you know, and they want to try to stop the run, then you can spread him out, put uh, TJ out in the slot, and all of a sudden you have a great mismatch. And I know the 40-yard the dash time was only a 4-7 flat for Hawkinson. I, a lot of fans are questioning his athleticism, but you just look at – his agility scores and explosive scores he has very reliable hands. Uh, he's a really, really good athlete. So, you know, overall, it's just one of those things uh, with Hawkinson that uh, you, you hope that he can break the trend of usually what rookie tight ends do in their first year. Cause I, I was hoping for, you know, an instant impact type player, but I know it's probably long winded with, with the first round pick. Do you want me to keep going on or do you have any, any input on that? Yeah, I like your takes a lot. I just want to do one quick follow-up. Did you get lost sort of in the uh, Josh Allen falling, like where you were, you know, it didn't seem like a real need or a fit for Jacksonville. Like I was really caught up in, oh, my gosh, we're about to get Josh Allen. This is uh, better than advertised. And Ed Oliver was one of my pre-draft guys. So were you more focused on those guys or did you feel, because I remember when the pick came up, I almost sort of forgot about TJ thinking maybe they'll go after one of these defensive studs. And uh, even though I didn't know if Oliver fit, like, uh, or did you think as the draft fell, you're like, yep, this is going to load up for Hawkinson? 
Well, yeah, I, I think everyone was hoping for that Josh Allen to fall and looking at a lot of mocks. Um, Josh Allen really wasn't there for Jacksonville in a lot of mocks, but uh, mostly every mock you saw had Jacksonville either go on the offensive side of the ball, you know, or just not DN. You know, they're already pretty loaded along that defensive line. But I, I don't blame him for taking, you know, what was the best player available. And then after that, um, as much as I liked Ed Oliver, uh, I didn't really think he was a gr- great or perfect scheme fit. The Lions actually worked him out as an off-ball linebacker even a little bit. So that was kind of concerning for me, just that they might not like him as much as I did as far as, uh, you know, just his fit in Patricia's scheme. He's a, he's a gap shooter. And you look at all the players that um, – you know, Bob or uh, Matt Patricia has along his defensive front. They're guys that can control the line. And, you know, Ed Oliver, he's such a good athlete. He could, you could probably put him anywhere he could, and could and succeed. But it's just, I didn't think it was a perfect fit. And Hawkinson, Hawkinson didn't really surprise me. But yeah, Josh Allen was my dream. I would have liked Ed Oliver, but I understand why they didn't do it, even though I don't necessarily agree with it, because he would have been my selection if uh, I was choosing in their spot. All right. Cool, man. We're on the same page there. I've been trying to talk Grifka off the uh, ledge for months. He just hates the pick. He thinks uh, TJ Hawkinson's going to get two to 300 yards, maybe a couple touchdowns. I mean, he doesn't see the, like you said, being multiple, being able to move this guy around. He can catch, he can block. So, again, unfortunately, that's what kind of like rookie pick, tight ends do. I mean, rookie tight ends rarely make a big impact right away. Um, you know, uh, outside of Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> that, that's the scary part is you want yeah. someone who's going to come in right away and just tear it up and that's just not historically that's not what tight ends do right but but don't give Grifka fuel to his fire because that's the only reason he's saying it's because for the last 10 years Oakry this is what happened and like my counterpoint is you take each player at their value and at their situation like Dustin Keller isn't uh, TJ Hawkinson it's a whole different team different situation so um you know historically yes but I think this guy can break the mold on this team right now so yeah um like I said you did a deep dive there how about just uh, maybe highlight a few of the other players that you either liked or didn't like as the draft process went through I mean quite a few other uh, interesting picks by our lines yeah you know Jelani Tavai I think caught everyone a little off guard um after the pick was selected yeah it made a lot of sense just you know the lions do have a very specific type when it comes to linebacker they want someone who's big who can play on the edge can um i think a lot of times it just comes down to size that's what you kept here bob quinn saying after they drafted Tavai was just talking about his his arm length and you know he said he was he called he kept calling him thick <laughs> yeah a thick guy so i i mean it makes sense um it's not Again, I'm not trying to rip on the Lions. They know more than I do when it, it comes to who they're looking. But I wasn't a big fan of the pick just because of his athletic uh, ability. You know, for a guy taking that high, you'd, you'd hope he'd be a little bit more athletic. And he didn't really test all that great. He was coming off a shoulder injury and had a private workout. And he, he did okay. But, you know, if the Lions, the Lions know how to use him, you know, that Matt Patricia knows what he wants in a defense. And, again, they know more than I do with what they're looking for. So I just have to hope and – you know, realize that they know exactly what they want. And even though it might not fit with exactly what I was hoping for, um, they know better than I do. And that's really, you got to put your faith in Bob Quinn in this one. Um, let me go, let me go counterpoint on Tavai yeah. real quick. Uh, since he was drafted, you know, you go and watch him a little bit more. When I watched, uh, 
you know, tape on him and whatnot. I think he's a real natural mover. He always seemed to just really find the football pretty aggressive player too, which excites me as a fan to sort of have another linebacker that can both play the middle, the outside, can even rush the passer. So I, I liked what I saw. It just seemed like he had some decent instincts or his production, you know, lots of tackles for loss, lots of other things. So I like that about him. Um, for sure. And he did. He put up a lot of great numbers while at Hawaii, and he, he's definitely very versatile. Um, you know, even watching film, though, on him, I, I didn't come away super impressed, like, oh, this guy's going to be the next great linebacker. But if the Lions put him in the right spot, you know, it's, it's a scheme fit. And if he fits their scheme and he can do multiple things, then it's a good pick for him. But, uh, I, I, again, I wonder if he's going to be able to make an instant impact. I, I just wanted players that were going to come in and help right away. I don't know if he'll crack the starting lineup right away, which, you know, you can't always expect for a second-round pick, but at least contribute. So um, that's that's what I'm really hoping for is just that he can come in, he has a role on the team, and um, can just grow and develop. And Patricia has historically done very well with linebackers. They said he's looked real natural, kind of like a guy that just comes out on the field and looks like he fits in, you know, since they've taken him in OTAs, obviously yeah. that shirts and shorts type of thing. But um, well, I don't, he's I don't a very know. fluid guy. He, he can move yeah. well. He's just not fast. You know, he's, um, he's not like Jared Davis, who sees sees the ball carrier and is just a missile. You know, he, he plays it a little bit different style, which might be good having, you know, a little bit of thunder and lightning, I guess you can call it. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm much more excited to see him than I was, you know, when the the pick was read off. I think it could be a, a nice fit for the team as well as a, a guy that, you know, has things that we don't have. Like you say, we're adding to this too deep type of depth that we're looking for, where you don't just say, oh, we're good, we got Jared Davis. You need to add that depth. So even if he doesn't start or make a huge impact, if he's a real solid football player at the linebacker position, I'd be happy. Right, and Bob Quinn said it himself too that he's a player that you just don't often come across. They're difficult to find in the draft. And, you know, is like a Devin Bush or a Mac Wilson type who actually fell quite a bit in the draft. Um, those aren't guys that necessarily fit the scheme. And uh, we just kind of have to <laughs> – we should know that by now, that Bob Quinn has a very specific type. Matt Patricia has a very specific type. And they're going to draft guys that fit their defense. Yeah, man, I agree with you. Uh, give me two more names out of the other picks that – that you both liked or that you think could make an impact on this football team? Yeah. So Amani Aruarie, he was a guy that I would have <laughs> funny. I would have been fine with him in the second round. Now, obviously how far he slid, uh, there was some concerns about him. Um, I know he did miss a lot of tackles. Well, he had, I think nine missed tackles compared to Greedy Williams four last year, but you can just tell he's a little bit more aggressive and will stick his nose, you know, and try to get, get ball carriers or Greedy Williams just didn't even show effort at times trying to tackle. Um, so I, I really liked his size and measurables. He looks the part and the Lions are in need of a outside corner opposite of Darius Slay. And then um, another one I'll touch on, uh, you know, Will Harris, um, an interesting pick, but I think it, it works well just because the Lions play so many uh, three safety sets and he's, he's a guy who can play in the slot and cover, you know, the larger tight ends. And he's still athletic enough to even cover receivers if need be. Um, I would have liked to see a little bit more like playmaking abilities from him at the college level. But I think, uh, again, he fits the scheme really well. And he has at least the upside or the potential you can see is there with him. 
Yeah, man. Logan, this is why we bring you on the show, because those are probably uh, the two names as well as Travis Fulgham, who I really think uh, interests me to watch them on the field, see what they can do, see how they fit on the team. Now, the thing I'll say is you did excellent pronouncing Amani's name, but here on the Kool-Aid <laughs> cast, we call him A-O, oh baby, from uh, and one mixtapes, uh, shout out back yeah, That's the right. I don't know. If A-O, that, but, uh, I can live it. I like that. Yeah. Much, much easier to say as long as you can uh, throw the oh baby at the end, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I really like your takes. Uh, I know we got limited time, so let's keep it moving. Um, overall with the draft, what would you say? Maybe give it a an overall Logan grade or a thought, uh, thumbs up, down, A, B, C, D, what do you think? You know, I was very lukewarm on it. And again, it's just coming from my perspective of, you know, I, where I would have liked to see other players taken. But again, it just goes back to, I'm not Bob Quinn. I don't know exactly what, you know, these players, what they said off the scenes kind of, and what, how they did in interviews and how they, exa- the Lions brass and personnel sees them fitting in the scheme. I'm not privy to that information. I can only see, you know, what I see on film and how good of a football player they look. And I don't, I try to align them with what the Lions are looking for, but you know, that's difficult to do. So I think, um, I think overall I graded it like a slightly below average uh, draft grade, but that's, you know, that's kind of been Bob's Quinn every year. He has a draft. I'm always kind of lukewarm on it. And then he's actually done fairly well. He hasn't had any pro bowlers or anything like that. He hasn't had any, like really studs. I mean, he's had a lot of good players and they've, they've been really solid players from the rookie year. And then they kind of stayed that way. So I'm looking for more progression out of his most recent draft classes. But yeah, this year I can definitely see, you know, after the picks are made and you do your homework on them, you're like, Oh, I I see what, where they were going and why they did that. It's just, you know, only time will tell. Yeah, we're definitely uh, looking forward to seeing him on the field and whatnot. Uh, Logan, we'll have to get you uh, next year. To You might have it already, but we, we do a thing where we actually record our picks as the draft goes in real time, you know, who was on there. Like oh, nice. you say, we're not privy to all the medicals, but my draft would have been Ed Oliver, um, Lane out of Michigan State, Ben Powers, Mac Wilson, a coverage linebacker, Travion yep. Williams at running back, who I love. Then I picked up Dax Raymond at tight end. He's kind of best available at that point. I went with another uh, Boston College safety, but Lucas Dennis there late, Jalen Jelks, and then I got Penny Hart as my little receiver oh, nice. um, in late round seven there. So that would have been the, the Oakry uh, draft uh, had I be the, been the GM with no medicals, no workouts, yep. no nothing. So um, always interesting to see who we would uh, pick with the info we have. But so I actually I do something similar to that with my draft grades. I always have my personal selection after each one. And, yeah, I think I, I would have chosen Ed Oliver and then Greedy Williams. I know he had some concerns, but, you know, in the second round, I thought he would have been good value, especially when we had such a need at that second corner. And then I want to say I went Max Crosby. I really liked him out of Eastern Michigan in the third and the fourth, uh, Foster Moreau. Okay. And then I can't remember who I went after that, but right. um, that's why we write them down now, because I got Grifka telling me he would have taken all these pro bowlers when, you know, he's got no idea what he's doing. So well, uh, yeah, that's, we, that's we, part of the fun. We write them down. People saying I, like, oh, I knew the Lions should have taken him, but it's like, uh, I got, I, I got, there weren't too many people that were 
chanting, you know, pounding on the table for Aaron Donald when we took Ebron. But <laughs> exactly. everyone is like, oh, we knew we should have picked Aaron Donald. Exactly. I got picks back to 07, 08, man, when we kind of started this. So I'll have to share this with you sometime. Oh, awesome. you, you can see my, uh, like you say, it's uh, like everybody says, you hit, you miss, but it's it's definitely fun to put your name on it, as uh, as they would say. And uh, what's Herm Edwards? That's his line. Um, <laughs> and uh, see what we would do. So um, let, let's move ahead, man. OTAs, you, you've been kind of keeping up with everything with your huge Twitter following and all that type of stuff. Like uh, anything jump out to you or just some general thoughts that you've maybe seen since these guys have been out about oh i think otas it's really one of those things where you know every year there's going to be those camp superstars and we fall in love with certain players and i know tease Tabor had a nice uh you know mini camp but he had a nice mini camp last year too and then it didn't really translate to game day so i i really take with a grain of salt everything i read or i see just because it is like you said it's it's not real football it's nice that players are stepping up and doing well, especially T's Tabor, because it'd be huge if he could just all of a sudden things start clicking for him. Because uh, he is a playmaker. We just haven't seen it yet. But um, yeah, and then just the offensive line, you know, it looks like they're going to stick Ragnow at center and move uh, Glasgow over to left guard, uh, which, or right guard, I mean. And then Kenny Wiggins right now appears to be the incumbent at left guard. So that's kind of a. A good switch up. Uh, we'll see what happens there with Daryl Bevel. I, I imagine he probably had some say in that. It was just what fits his scheme the best. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, the, we have all these receivers. I think, you know, we're going to have uh, that fifth receiving spot is going to, it's going to come down to a few players. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. You know, let it play out once we get the pads on at camp. That'll really tell. Uh, The big thing in the OTAs, man, everybody's been talking about it. I'm really interested in your take. What's your thoughts on uh, big play slay and snacks? I mean, uh, not showing up, kind of being on Twitter. Like, where are you at with all this half drama they got going on? Or is it all just, you know, a bunch of nothing and they'll be there at camp day one? You know, I would imagine they'd be there at camp. It really depends how firm they are. Uh, You know, it's just... For me, it's tough when they have two years left on a deal, especially with Darius Slay when he signed the deal a few years ago. You know, it's just common knowledge that as you sign these long-term contracts that, yes, have a lot of money, you know, as you go on, the salary cap increases, and there's going to be new guys that are going to be getting paid more than you. And, you know, Slay, he had a, for his standards, a down year last year. It wasn't a great year. And, uh, you know, I I love big play Slay. I, I definitely want him around. And if he's really has to have a new contract and maybe the Lions, you know, will have to give in and give him one. But at, with two years left on his deal, that's really tough for me. If I, if I were in Bob Quinn's shoes, I'd be, you know, I don't know if I'd give him a new deal this year, you know, next year we'd make it up. You're like, yeah, you know, we're on the last year of the contract. Let's get something working. Um, but we can't be without him either. If he really sticks to his guns and he sits out, you know, maybe it's, you just got to find something to work, but I wouldn't want to give him another long-term extension when he already has two years left. And I want to say he's going to be, you know, closing in on 30 at the end of his two years, which, you know, it can be tough for a cornerback. Sometimes we saw it with Glover Quinn where those DBs all of a sudden lose a step and they're just not what they used to be. So I understand where both sides are coming from. Uh, Yeah. I want to see Darius Slay, you know, be a long time lifetime lion. But at this point, with two years left on his deal, I don't know if I'd be just willing to, you know, fork out the money that he's asking with two years left. And it's kind of the same with, with snacks. Uh, 
you look at what he provides and yeah, he's a huge boost in our uh, run stopping. I mean, our defense did a complete 180 after he was injected in the lineup, but again, with two years left on his deal and he's getting up there in age, he's going to be 32 by the end of his two years that we have still under contract for him. Uh, I don't think, you know, his, his MO is just being big in size. I don't think you're necessarily going to lose that at age 32, but if you give these guys, you know, another big extension, we might end up like that Glover Quinn situation where we have another year or two left on a contract and they're not living up to it. So it's just, it's just in a really tough spot because they do have some leverage, but I think the lions have more leverage considering that they, both these guys are under contract for two more years and they're, they're already being paid, you know, a pretty sizable amount. They're both still, I know Slay's top 15 right now for as far as cornerbacks get paid and snacks, uh, you know, the guys who are making true money, the big money out there, also the pass rushers as well. So it's just, I, I'm kind of, I can go see both sides of the situation, but both of them, I think, you know, they're going to have to wait another year before I'd extend them. Yeah. I, oh man, I, I think that your, your point about the two years is really where they got to focus. I mean, isn't it the Steelers that have basically a unwritten rule? They don't, they don't redo your deal any more than a year out, right? And they just stick right. to that. So it's like everybody says that's a general rule, but there are teams that really use that almost like a hard and fast, don't even bother us with it. I mean, my only thing is that the Lions still got the 20-some million just sitting there doing nothing. So, I mean, I'm not trying to spend money for no reason, but you're not right up against the cap. So when you tell these players, like, you don't want to do anything, you know, they're not stupid. Their agents know you got – the money sitting there they both know they're real integral to our defense so they sort of have us you know the lions over a barrel and the lions can sit there yep. and say like hey in the nfl we don't well, like you said again about this cap like these guys sign these deals to make them really high paid players and three years later they're they're middle of the pack it's like that's the name of the game you know go and play two more good years and they'll take care of you but um right. and they're both they're both not like 25 so I, i'm stuck on it a little bit too i think if anything I would think, you know, maybe Slay could recognize that and come back in. I think since Snacks got here via trade and he was so impactful for our defense, if you want to slide him, you know, a little increase, you know, maybe not extend the years as much as kind of give him an uptick just to make him happy, I'd consider that because we need the big fellow in the middle. There's no, like, hey, P.J. Williams, your next man up, or or, oh, Pe- yeah. or Pecco, we we'll, we'll get you in here. Like, yeah. he's got he's to be there. we got to have both guys here, and you'd like to have him happy. And, again – being from the fan perspective we don't know necessarily what exactly they're asking for either you know if it's if they both want like long-term extensions you know that's that's really tough to get out with two years left on a deal now if they just want to raise yeah we do have some cap flexibility this year but even when we don't you know what we don't use this year still gets converted over to next year's cap and gives us more space there and then we also you know it's just yeah, you got to know what they're asking for. I, I don't know yeah. what they want exactly. I don't know if Slay's looking for like another five year extension or something like that, which I, I imagine, I don't imagine he is. Yeah. He just wants a little bit more money and it's a couple million more a year. You know, maybe just toss it his way to make him happy. And, uh, you know, you want your players happy too. That's something we always forget about that when players aren't happy, they might not always play as well. And, you know, the Lions with this whole Calvin Johnson saga, you know, they don't the Lions aren't looked in the most positive of light right now when it comes to, um, you know, just is it a player-friendly team or not. 
Yeah, I guess so. We'll, we'll keep this moving, but I, I think the Lions too are, are fine to, uh, you know, but there's there are teams in the NFL that are hard line type owners that, uh, you know, yeah, it's not like you run every player off, but you also don't just sit there and and every time somebody barks, you give them some extra dose. So I think the Lions, you know, can be kind of in the middle or also on the hard end side and and still make it work. So we'll see what happens with right. those two guys. Uh, I'm all for making it work with both those guys. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's like I want them here, but at the same time, they have to understand they still have two years left on big deals that they sign, and that's just the nature of the game, really. That's yeah. Sometimes that happens. And yeah. it's very rare to see you know someone get a new deal with two years left outside of the quarterback situation. Yeah. Uh, let me get your take on this offense. Daryl Bevel in here, you know, everybody kind of saying, as you hinted at earlier, nobody really knows what the Lions are going to be. Are we going to be smashing off the run? Are we going to run two tights? Are we going to run three tights? Are we going to stretch it with a healthy Matt Stafford? Like, where are you at on this offense in 2019, and are you excited about it? I am. I think I mentioned it earlier, just about having two tight ends in the field is not going to tip your hat either way. You can go, you know, you can it can be a pass or it can be a run, and they're both – um, very good run blocking tight ends. Uh, and then they're also very capable in the passing game. So I like that element that you don't always, you're not going to tip your hand. You know, if you had Ebron out in the field, when we had him, it's like, all right, we're not going to have to worry about him, you know, blocking a linebacker. The linebacker will probably be able to get away and um, make a tackle. So it, it is nice. I think Bevel has a good mix, at least of what he's done in the past, of taking some deep shots as well as creating that ground and pound uh, you know, attack and then using once the defense starts, you know, coming in and playing up to stop the run, you take your shots. And I, I like that. And I think that plays very well with what the Lions want to do. And Matt Patricia's game plan, just being able to control the clock, keeping the defense off the field. Uh, it's a different type of style that you're seeing in the NFL right now, which, and it's going against the grain, which is sometimes concerning, but you know, it's, you saw what Seattle did a couple years ago and they were a defensive heavy team. And I, it still comes down to, in the National Football League, to win championships. You still have to be able to run the ball and stop the run. And I think that's what the Lions are really going after. So I, I don't mind it. I, I'm very excited to see what this offensive has. I'm very excited to see Matthew Stafford in this offense. And if he could actually have a legit running game, uh, it'll be interesting to see as well. You know, we didn't really replace T.J. Lang with anyone any big name or big draft pick or any like anything like that. So and when he was out last year, our running game floundered, and that was also coupled with Carrion Johnson going down. But that Carrion's got to stay healthy. That's that's going to be huge. Um, and these guys like uh, C.J. Anderson, you know, I don't know what exactly he's going to be, if he's going to be the Rams uh, version of last year or the, the Panthers version. So it's just there's a lot of question marks right now, and I'm obviously hoping that they all <laughs> – pan out and they're highly successful but uh it does you know create a little bit of worry inside yeah i'm with you on all that i i'm just really excited to see uh never in my lifetime as a lions fan have i come into a year thinking that we have the opportunity to have kind of a high-end ground game and release not just even a ground game like back in the berry days but a ground game that's hit you in the mouth and like can score touchdowns and, and move it, you know, inside uh, short yardage, stuff like that. So I'm excited for that. I think the NFL, you know, they always talk about these tight ends, but I think you hit it on the head. Like when you put TJ and Jesse James in there, 
good luck guessing what we're going to do. And that's really what you want to do as an offense. You want to keep people on their toes. And the only reason Matt Stafford has been dinking and dunking is because he hasn't been able to go play action and have a guy get down in the field deep and, and really chuck it as much as I'd like. So I think that not only be able to hit people in the mouth, but I think we'll be able to really like get him guessing where we can hit him over the top. Cause when's the last time the lions had all these open touchdowns? Like I see other teams, you know, you got Kansas city people running down the oh, field wide gosh. open. Like yeah. lions are always these contested jump balls. I'd love to see a scheme up, you know, Kenny Galladay down the middle of the football field. Nobody in the pitcher, just get it to him for a touchdown every once in a while. You know, that yeah. would, that'd be nice. Some easy points. I, so. I agree 100% there. I, every time I watch other teams, I'm, always just amazed sometimes at how open players are. I'm like, man, you just – you never saw that with Jim Bob Cooter where guys are just running wide open, uh, especially after Golden Tate left. It was like every catch, you know, every big gain was had to be, you know, contested catch was really difficult. You know, guys had to make amazing plays. I would love to just have that where, you know, we have enough – the defense has to respect that run game enough where we have guys down the field that are not double-covered you know, it's just one-on-one matchups, and, right. and you know, my th- I, I agree. And my thing with Bevel is this guy has a long track record, you know, of pretty much, you know, decent to high-end success. Like, Jim Bob really had no, no track record, you know, as a yep. coordinator. So uh, it's always great when you can add another guy that's been played in big games, you know, called for big, you know, Super Bowls, stuff like that. That That's invaluable to me. So I think that alone is going to help the offense right there. This guy's not out figuring it out as he goes. He's got a proven scheme and is going to execute it as well as probably throw in some new wrinkles, which would be nice. So, Logan, Logan, man, I know you got to get out of here. i got one more since Grifka's not here. Grifka's been banging this table about TJ Hawkinson's stats. We already kind of hit on it. i got to pin you down right now. What the heck is TJ Hawkinson going to do from a stat perspective? And then my take, too, is it doesn't matter if we win football games. If he's in there blocking, only catching, you know, three, four passes here and there, and we're winning, I'm happy. Like, what kind of numbers you give in this guy uh, for our fantasy football people out there? But um, what's your predictions of what he'll do when it's all said and done? Yeah, I, I think you already mentioned a little bit. A lot of time when he's on the field, he's going to be doing little things that you might not even notice. And, again, he's not going to be tipping our hat of what we're going to be doing or anything like that. So I think that's going to be huge. But from a fantasy perspective, you know, we have already Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, even carry on maybe Theo Riddick and Jesse James. I mean, there's a lot of targets to go around. So I, again, I don't know if he's going to be just the guy year one. Uh, he's not going to be a Travis, Travis Kelsey or anything like that, where he's the focal point of the offense. But I think you'll see, he'll have some flashes of games where, you know, teams don't respect him enough and he'll take advantage of it because he's more than capable and he's not going to be dropping the ball, which is, you know, a big thing for a lot of Lions fans. <laughs> want to see someone who's catching, but I, I envision him having probably around, you know, 40 catches for 600 yards. I'm hoping that he's a, a red zone target, you know, maybe six touchdowns around there. So I'm not, I'm not going to place these huge expectations on him, but I do think he's going to be more successful than a lot of other tight end, first round tight ends, just due to the fact that I think he's going to see a lot of playing time. So um, I think he's going to be a clutch guy. You saw that even in college, you know, when, they needed big plays at Iowa. He was always seemed to be the one doing it. So um, I'm not going to get too caught up on the numbers. I know some fans will that they're like, oh, he's not producing like a first round pick and they'll probably already want to throw the bus label on him. But this tight end position, you have to give him time because he's not going to come in and just, you know, take the league by fire and just completely, you know, change 
what tight ends have done in the past or anything like that. I think he'll probably follow the trend, but again, he's going to be doing a lot more than what the stat sheet will say he's doing. Yeah. All right. Well, you're, you're more on the Grifka side of things than me. I, I think, you know, if Brandon Pettigrew in his first couple of years can catch nearly 80 balls and, and whatnot. I think that this guy was picked number eight overall for a reason. I think he's like the perfect type of player, like the guy that Matt Stafford is going to want to not only throw to, but get along well with off the field, not have to deal with his garbage, you know, of his attitude and his, his uh, frying pan hands. So I think that, uh, you know, on a high end, I threw this guy up in the, you know, 60 to 70 catches, maybe getting in that uh, 700 yard range. And then uh, I put his TDs anywhere from seven to 10, man. I think that he can, uh, he can really, uh, buck the trend a little bit as well as like you said if he has his flashes you know you break those numbers down it's only a few catches a game you know average 50 to 70 yards a game and gets in the end zone more than you'd expect I mean that's what I would hope for for him so we'll see what he That'd does I, I just want the uh, them to use this guy that they took really high and then not just lump him in with every other tight end I mean maybe he's different maybe the team has a plan for him and maybe he can be an impactful weapon you know on offense that's what the other tight ends in the league are even if it's not year one I mean don't sell this guy short moving forward as a impactful guy week in and week out so yeah um, no I and I will say this too that he was one of the, when we took him I do think he was the best football player on the board it's just that tight ends take time and I I think he's going to have a great career but I'm not going to try to set my expectations too high for him. I just don't want to be let down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's understandable. But like you say, also have that Detroit Kool-Aid and think that, hey, man, this guy can, uh, you know, who's saying he can't score 10 times with the way that we uh, hopefully will be much better in the red zone. I'd love to see them focus on this guy and Kenny in the red zone here in 2019. So That'd be huge. So, Logan, man, we could talk for days. I know we got to get you out of here. Anything you want to plug, throw out to the uh, Kool-Aid drinkers out there before you uh, head on out, and hopefully we'll have you back here uh, uh, in the future, maybe even on a more consistent basis. So it's always awesome having you on the show. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, nothing. LionLowdown.com if you want to find stuff there or uh, give a follow on social media. You know, L. Lamarandier. Uh, is the Twitter handle. I know that's a long one, but um, I'm sure it'll probably be tagged <laughs> yeah. in, in the podcast. Yeah. So it's like, you can find me. Um, I love talking football with anyone, and I try to, you know, obviously communicate with as many people as I can because it's just love talking Lions football. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Well, enjoy. Uh, we got a probably a month, a little under a month even now before we really get cranking. So me and Griffith can't wait to be doing all types of things in season. Uh, we're going to enjoy the next few weeks before it gets cranked up. I hope you do the same. And uh, looking forward to having you back on the show, man. Thanks again. Uh, all your takes were right on and, um, you know, much better than Griffith's takes. So appreciate that. <laughs> well, sounds good. Appreciate uh, it. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, buddy. Have a good day. Thanks. Later. Drink it in, man.